We're traveling through Lent with this theme, seeking, honest questions for a deeper faith, and we come to this scripture, seeking, and what we find is a story bubbling up and overflowing with honest questions. In this conversation, the longest conversation that Jesus has with anyone, with anyone in scripture, Jesus and this woman at the well ask each other questions, they kind of spar back and forth, as in so many conversations that Jesus has, Jesus says something. It's, it's initially misunderstood, so Jesus clarifies. Maybe he gives an exasperated sigh, and so it goes. But here, something like that happens. But this woman at the well, well, she holds her own. Their conversation is deep, like a well, overflowing, like a spring there is big truth to find here, and at the same time, their conversation is almost playful. They are enjoying each other's company on this dry and dusty day. Yet we know, we know that this conversation isn't supposed to be happening at all, not in the world that they inhabit. Jesus and the Samaritan woman are two very different people separated by categories of gender and nationality and religion. Jesus is Jewish and a man. The Samaritan woman obviously is a Samaritan and a woman. The Jewish leaders and people of the time generally view the Samaritans as apostate and unclean. They have chosen the wrong way to worship God on a hill in Samaria rather than a hill in Judea. And there has been violent disagreement over this for centuries. And so, so the Jews of Jesus' day have nothing to do with the Samaritans and the Samaritans return the favor. And Jesus and this woman have different genders in a world that is shaped by patriarchy where it is scandalous in this context for a man to deign to speak to a woman in public. And yet here, in this context of power and privilege and barriers and boundaries, we have this long glimpse of this conversation that never should have happened. We get to listen in to what they say to each other, to the questions they ask. It's just Jesus and the Samaritan woman and us. We've heard the story read and seen it in artwork. I want us to take one more look, this time through the lens of three questions. And the first one is a question, the question that usually gets asked when we come to this scripture. What does it mean for Jesus to enter into this boundary-crossing conversation? Because that feels big. Jesus is traveling through Samaria. He is exhausted, and so he rests at this well as his disciples go off to find some food. It's just Jesus sitting there alone, tired out in the heat of the noonday sun. You know, it's one of the few times we get to see Jesus entirely on his own in this moment. And along comes this woman, also alone, coming to the well at the hottest time of the day. 
Now, Jesus knows the rules. He knows who he is and he knows who she is. He knows the barriers and the boundaries and the prohibitions that should keep them apart. And Jesus ignores them all. He doesn't just ignore them. He smashes through them. Jesus talks to this Samaritan woman. He engages her in conversation. He takes her life seriously and he offers her the gift of living water on the very same basis that he would offer it to someone who was Jewish or who was male on the same basis that he offers living water to everyone else. Here at the very start of the Gospel of John, Jesus, the Son of God, the fully human one, the Word made flesh, Jesus encounters someone who has been othered, who has been othered by every system of power and privilege, and Jesus announces and lives out a new, expansive, and inclusive order. We're not playing this in and out game anymore. No more talk of clean and unclean, of anyone being less than. Jesus says, everyone, everyone who drinks this living water that I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give to everyone will become in, in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now that is some good news. It's good news for everyone, and it's just the start of the Gospel of John. By the end of this chapter 4, Jesus will spend two full days in a Samaritan village, and they will say that he is Savior of the world. Before anyone else will say that, the separations vanish, the Samaritans are brought near, brought into one body, and the good news of Jesus Christ takes off from there. So, when we ask this question, what does it mean for Jesus, to enter into this boundary-crossing conversation, that's what we see. But I wonder, what would it be like to ask that same question from the perspective of the Samaritan woman? A subtle shift, but a legit question. Because they're different people with different social locations and they have different experiences. What does it mean for her? to enter into this boundary-crossing conversation because when they, enter, when they encounter each other at the beginning of the story, Jesus has all the power and the privilege and she has none. This scene isn't quite so easy for her. Jesus knows the boundaries that give him privilege and he can set those aside and that's what he does. She doesn't have the luxury of that choice. She doesn't get to wake up in the morning and say, today, I'm not going to live in a patriarchal world. The Samaritan woman comes to the well at noon, the hottest time of the day, when she expects that no one will be around, but there is this man and a Jewish man, someone from the enemy tribe. In this encounter, there is an imbalance of power and privilege. He has the power and the privilege. She does not. That's the way her world works, and she knows that from the start. That's how she moves into this encounter of the other. Let's think for a moment what that might look like in our world. And I'm going to go with the most recent thing that I thought of. Last Sunday, we shared stories of refugees. And this week, Royce and Peter and Dave and I had a conversation with some folks in the East Bay who were housing and hosting refugees in their synagogue. As I hope you know, we are in the early stages of thinking about how we might be able to offer temporary housing for a refugee family here on our church property. We are wondering what might it mean for us to undertake that work. 
to welcome a refugee here. But as I listened to the East Bay folks who are doing the work now, as they talked about the refugee families who are living in their buildings, the question shifted for me, or, or, or maybe a new question rose up, and I started to wonder, what would it mean for those refugee families? To be in this strange country, having fled their own in a new place where folks speak a different language and where legal systems have particular power over them wherever they go. What does it mean to them? What does it mean to move through boundary-crossing experiences in an other-dominated world when the other holds all the power and the privilege? They must experience this world, this culture, with risks and challenges I can't even imagine. Let's go back to the scripture and read it through that lens. And look at how the Samaritan woman, and oh, I wish that history had told her us her name. How the Samaritan woman moves into and through this encounter, the Samaritan woman arrives at the well in the heat of the day when she expects no one will be there, but there is this man, a non-Samaritan man, a Jewish man. She slows her pace a little, takes in the situation and moves carefully to the well and goes about her work of drawing water. And then the man speaks and he says, give me a drink of water. Now look at the first thing the woman says. She names the power differential, the boundaries and the separation. She speaks plainly what is going on. Sir, you are a Jew and a man. How can you ask me, a Samaritan and a woman, for a drink? I thought y'all didn't have anything to do with Samaritans. She does the power analysis for them both, and she says it plain, you have the power and the privilege, your people have nothing to do with us, you treat us as unclean, and you ask me for a drink. Before we start talking, let's just get that clear. And then Jesus names it too. We've got this strange little exchange, maybe stranger for us than it was to ancient ears, where Jesus says, go get your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And he says, you're right, you have had five husbands. Now for centuries, that little exchange has been used to claim that this Samaritan woman is somehow a loose woman somehow sinful in these marriages. The problem with that reading, though, is that it has been the dominant male reading, and it's not anywhere in the Bible. This text doesn't support that. Jesus doesn't say anything about this being sinful or about repentance. That's not the point of the story. And when sin and repentance are the point of the story, Jesus says so. Remember, Whenever we are talking about marriage in the Bible, we are talking about something that is also a property transaction. Marriage in the ancient world was about property. The woman was included in the man's property, and she was the main vehicle for transferring a man's property from generation to generation. In a particular type of marriage at that time, the woman might have been passed down from brother to brother to brother to brother as they successively died, just like inherited property. 
So when the woman says, I have no husband, she is really saying, no man owns me. If you want to talk to me, I don't have to go and get a husband. You talk to me about me. And when Jesus says, you're right, you have had five husbands, he is acknowledging that she has been owned five times. Together, they are naming the power and the privilege at work in their world, the power differential that comes with them into their conversation. And then, and only then, after being honest about all that, can they choose a better way. That better way is embodied in the question that they ask each other in the conversation. Will you give me a drink of water? Look at what they do. They choose to enter into this amazing conversation of mutuality. We see this clever, engaging banter person to person. Jesus asks for a drink. Will you give me a drink of water? And the woman asks back, wait, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink of water? Jesus replies, if you knew who I am, you'd ask me for water and I'd give you living water. If you knew who I am, I would give you living water. The woman replies with yet another question, living water, you have no bucket, sir, and the well is deep. Where do you plan to get this living water? Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of my water will never thirst. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Well, okay, so the woman asks, well then, will you give me a drink of water? So I don't have to lug these big buckets of water back and forth. At the well, they enter into this conversation that never should have happened according to the rules of the world. They ask each other honest questions. They ask each other for a drink of water. And what emerges in their encounter is a new world embodied in this relationship of mutuality. They encounter each other at the well and what bubbles up, what springs forth is living water. And through this conversation of mutuality, look at what happens. Together, Jesus and the Samaritan woman reveal that Jesus is Christ. She suggests, she asks, he answers, and not only that, Jesus says to her, to her, not to anyone else, to her, I am. He speaks the name of God, I am that's who's speaking to you. She knows that before anyone else. And then the Samaritan woman becomes the first person to announce Jesus as the Christ when she goes back to the village. She becomes the first evangelist, a woman apostle. One writer has said that she becomes a woman Moses. Look what happens in this conversation that never should have happened. They have raised honest questions about the power and privilege at work in the world. They have chosen another way, a relationship of mutuality. All the boundaries, Jew and Samaritan, gender barriers, they dissolve away. And not only that, this conversation gives them both life. Life that she then goes on and shares with others. Weary 
In the midst of a long journey in the noonday heat, Jesus gets a cup of cool water. He shares something of who he is and shares with her, with her the living water that is for everyone. And here in this moment, they are refreshed and they are free. And what flows out from this moment, and she goes and spreads the world, word, and as people come, is more life and more liberation and more life and more liberation and more life. The artist, the artist who created the work that we looked at earlier, the one that's up on the screen, Lauren Wright Pittman, she says that she grounded the work in mutuality and mutual need. She writes, Jesus needs water to drink, and the woman needs living water. Jesus needs her to be a witness, and she needs Jesus to invite her into this new identity. With contrasting color, the artist shows the separations that would keep them apart. The artist, though, places them on the same level. She says she looked at all sorts of art pieces over the ages, and Jesus is always up, and she is always down. But here, they're on the same level. They reach across those boundaries and where they meet, where their lives intersect, we find the vibrant blue of living water. We come upon this scene and we are invited into the conversation, into the new life, into a new order, into encountering each other. Um, in, in, we're invited into living life differently. In a world fraught with power and privilege, where people live in deep division, where some are raised up and some are kept low, where people fight daily for their freedom and their dignity in a world not unlike our own, Jesus and the Samaritan woman meet at this desert well. They meet in the noontime heat and they talk. And they ask honest questions and they say true things and they laugh and they encounter each other truly and deeply and they pass a cup back and forth and they share cool sips of water on a dry, dusty day. And in their encounter, they give each other life. 